0: So, anyone here listening to podcasts? Yes. All right. Just hoping I get some fellow <laughs> listeners. Uh, in January of this year, I was hosting, uh, lis- listening to a podcast, and they were interviewing an entrepreneur. The entrepreneur was saying that you know you have a uh, innovative and potentially lucrative idea, and you design something to work one way, and people end up using it in a completely different way than you intended. Viagra is a great example. <laughs> Do you guys know that Viagra was originally developed to treat heart, uh, heart disease? Um, clinical trials did not go as planned, but they did yield <laughs> <laughs> a surprising result, which proved quite lucrative for its investors. I am an undergraduate student and an P- uh, undergraduate instructor and a PhD student. In my spare time, I host a podcast for college students with mental health disabilities. The focus of the podcast is on goal setting, or should I say, goal achievement. Uh, About six months ago, I was feeling lost uh, at a crossroads with the podcast. I was discouraged because I couldn't get these students that I've been having one-sided conversations with for four semesters now to engage in the way that I expected. Uh, No questions, no feedback, no comments, no hate now. <laughs> uh, and there's something seriously wrong when you're not getting hated about things. <laughs> um, but college instructors were reaching out, and some of them were from my own department, uh, listening out of interest because they supported me. But the recent Twitter follows, uh, the iTunes reviews, and questions I was getting were coming from college instructors wondering what it takes for students with mental health disabilities to succeed in the classroom. Simply put, I was not expecting that. Um, Let me tell you a little bit more about podcasts. It's worth explaining because it's not like most podcasts where you can just sit down and hit play and just have the attitude of, okay, just talk to me now. I'm here to listen, but not much more than that. Um, I actually make them work. Every fall and spring, listeners set a goal. I play along and set one too, something that can be achieved in about the length it takes to complete a college semester, so about three weeks' time. The primary goal for college students, as you guys know, is college success, Um, but I was finding in speaking with students that a lot of them uh, had goals not really often related to college, but were having trouble starting them, things like uh, losing weight or quitting smoking or developing a new hobby, like extreme ironing. <laughs> Which, You can't see the slide. This is uh, people engaged in, in various extreme sports while well ironing. Just learn about the sport. Um, but these goals really matter to me, uh, and they fall by the wayside due to the extreme pressure to perform in college. I'm trying to prevent that by helping students stay focused on the college, on the things that matter to them, alongside their academic pursuits. Speaking of goals, you may wonder what qualifies me to talk to college students with psychiatric disabilities. I spent uh, my formidable years in working with adults with serious and persistent mental illness. The goal was always on goal achievement. Uh, About two years into my career, I latched on with an agency that practiced psychiatric rehabilitation. A person-centered, recovery-focused way of assisting people by uh, teaching them skills and linking them to resources in order to achieve goals. It felt really natural to work with people this way; very dignifying. I was hooked and ran to get a master's in it. Along the way, an initiative at another agency I worked at came about to teach supported education, an evidence-based method of assisting individuals with psychiatric disabilities with specific academic goals. This experience served me well as it helped me land a position as a faculty member at Rutgers University. Um, And in the beginning I was hired to teach cognitive remediation or helping people uh, and assisting them with improving the way they think and process and remember information. Again, I was teaching it to the same population of college students with mental health issues. Sitting with this blend of psych rehab, supported education, and Cogram, I was uh, unsure how to kind of talk about what I had kind of gleaned in this skill set. Um, I I wanted to reach out to students, but I wasn't sure how. In the world of academia, as probably many of you know, the way um, that you put your word out is through publication. Specifically scholarly peer-reviewed journals, um, but I knew that college students were not flocking to these journals when they needed help <laughs> managing their mental health, so I was stuck for a while, unsure how to disseminate this info. I, I didn't know how to reach these students. I discovered podcasts when I got my first iPhone a bunch of years ago. Um, it was an instant love affair. I'm a baseball geek. Go Yankees. Um, and. I play a lot of fantasy baseball, and in my spare time, the first podcasts I listened to were about that, trying to gain a competitive advantage. Uh, quickly, I branched out, though, and, and started listening to podcasts outside of the sports genre, and what I would find would literally change my life. I subscribed to one called The Survival Podcast with Jack Spirkel. Remember that name? It's going to come up a little later. Um, he's taught me a great deal about critical thinking specifically. It was the biggest inspiration I have for starting my own podcast. So here we are. I'm going to set the stage for you. It's late 2014. I'm sitting in a meeting at work. Again, this question of how to blend together what I knew about goal setting, cyber rehab, support education and Coggram was still looming in my head. My own podcast listening was increasing at the same time remember the exact moment I decided I should start a podcast, but it was in this meeting where we were talking about an evidence-based curriculum called Illness Management and Recovery, or IMR, which is a method of helping people set goals and working in a group on a weekly basis with a trained facilitator to go through a manual about managing mental illness and then applying the skills learned in that manual to the achievement of their goals. It hit me. The structure of the podcast fell into place I just recently read this amazing study uh, about the effect of podcasting on weight loss. Um, And they present a theoretical framework for their belief as to why podcasting might help with long-term behavior change. It borrows from three theories that I'm going to describe to you now. The first is called user control theory. This is the idea that an increase in freedom of learning can boost the control a person feels, which in turn boosts learning or increases learning. Put very simply, people learn when they have the freedom not only to choose what to learn, I'm gonna listen to what inspires me when it comes to a podcast, Um, but they also have great user control. Um, So I can play it on repeat, I can slow it down, speed it up, delete it, um, whatever I want. Podcasts possess a great amount of user control. Um, Most podcasts are audio-based, so you can't play it as a video, Um, But there's evidence that this is a benefit for many learners. Um, Cognitive load theory states that the more cognitive burden someone feels when trying to learn, the less they learn. Um, Podcasts possess very low cognitive load. Put the the podcast on, listen to the speaker, and that's it. Um, You may, you have to pay attention, so It's probably easy and enjoyable to listen to podcasts because of the audio-only format while you're engaged in some kind of other uh, activity that's of low mental drain. So, you podcast listeners out there, think about where you listen. Uh, For me, it's when I'm out maybe walking my dog around the town, or driving in the car, or doing yard work outside. The portability of podcasts lends itself well to learning on the go. And I suspect that we might retain information better that we hear in podcasts when engaging in one of these activities. So we have user control theory, saying the more freedom we have in learning, the better. Uh, we have cognitive load theory that says the less cognitive energy you spend on learning, the better. The last theory, elaboration likelihood model, states that there are two ways to process information: centrally and peripherally. The more time we spend carefully considering or elaborating on a topic, uh, the more likely we are to use central processing route, which is associated with long-term attitude change. We start to change attitudes, that's a big deal. Now we can start to impact behavior and possibly influence uh, goal achievement. Web-based materials are better for elaboration than print materials, but there's a problem. In both, we skim. Um, both in digital media and in print, we miss important messages by skimming over material. That doesn't happen though with an audio-only uh, model like a podcast. You may stop paying attention at times, um, but you don't. Um, you, you have to pick. Um, I'm sorry. So that's why I think it works, and why podcasting holds potential as an effective tool for the long-term behavior change. With this theoretical framework uh, and the IMR model in mind, I decided in June of 2015 that, come September, I was going to launch a podcast uh, and have it mirror a fall and spring semester schedule. So I guess, uh, I guess you're probably wondering, is it working? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon to tell, I, I suppose. I remember being really nervous that first uh, first episode. There I am in my (laughs) podcast recording closet. Um, As I laid out my plans for the podcast to my non-existent uh, listener base. Um, First semester, I tried to do two podcasts a week, Um, and in looking back, I'm really glad I did Um, because when you start something new and it's something you've never done before, guess what? you suck at it. <laughs> so I tried to get as much sucking out of the way that first semester. <laughs> and trust me, those first 30 episodes really are, are not my best work. Um, but scattered amongst those uh, episodes were my first two interviews I ever done, um, done with uh, friends of mine that I'm really grateful allowed me to attach their name to my fledgling project. Um, didn't much matter yet at the time, though, because nobody was listening. Second semester. Um, I stepped things up production-wise and also cut down from two episodes a week to one longer one per week. Um, I learned how to do audio editing, I uh, added bumper music, everything was one take until then, uh, and began approaching people that I didn't know in order to uh, get podcast interviews. Uh, this sem- second semester also featured my first interview with a college student, a recent graduate, um, somebody named Stacy, who had been in recovery herself and is very open about her journey. I remember after doing that episode that I, I realized that this is where I wanted to see the, the podcast move towards um, interviewing college students or recent graduates to talk about their experiences and share their and so that their current listeners, ones that are still in school, would not struggle in the same way that they did. Still, despite the inspiring content, not really anyone was listening yet. <laughs> um, going into an extended break that, that summer, There wasn't any doubt I'd be back uh, in the following fall for a third semester. And I feel like I did level up some ways in that next one. Um, I grew a little more confident. Um, I also had somebody approach me for the first time asking to come on the show and be interviewed about a topic related to college success, and that was really flattering. Um, I do a lot of interviews, but I also do a bunch of shows solo. Uh, I try and review one book per uh, per semester, and one of my favorite episodes came from a review of Nicholas Nassim Taleb, the pictured here is the book Anti-Fragile, and the ways that the principles from this book can help college students. Uh, The last semester, this past spring, the podcast seems to again have leveled up. I started to grow fearless in my interview requests, and it's paid off. I interviewed Dr. Patricia Deegan, pictured here, um, world-renowned researcher and recovery hero to us uh, in the psych rehab world. Um, I also had Dr. Ellen Sachs, critically acclaimed author of The Center Cannot Hold, come on the show. Uh, I feel like I'm name-dropping at this point, but I really just couldn't believe that these uh, remarkably successful women were just so free with their time, so easy to connect with, and come on the show and share their stories of recovery, and how they managed to both of them complete PhDs while at the same time battling schizophrenia. Same time as this was going on, uh, i had been about a little over a year of emailing back and forth with Jack Spirko, uh, The Survival Podcast. He was the guy I was telling you about, that was the inspiration for me starting my podcast, and was also the one that had interviewed that entrepreneur that I was talking about in the beginning. Um, a lot of uh, polite requests back and forth went by before I finally landed my interview with Mr. Spiracle himself, a huge honor for myself, and in contrast to the two women I spoke of earlier, uh, Jack's the only guest I've had on a show that's never been to college, and really exemplifies the entrepreneurial spirit that I try and foster on the show. Um, it is... Something that I think separates the show from different uh, podcasts that might focus on college success that are out there, or mental illness for that matter. I want students thinking about building their brand. Um, Goal achievement in the form of obtaining a college degree, sad to say, really isn't that big of an accomplishment anymore, there's so many of them out there. Um, So I push students to go the extra mile, uh, whether that be through developing, side of business or seeking out a mentor, building a website, something not unlike what I'm trying to do here. Um, I podcast first and foremost because I love it and I have something to say, but I'm also not afraid to state the obvious. Um, podcasting helps me build my brand. And it's interesting to think now that a, a podcast is actually a perfectly legitimate way to build your brand these days. So, in response to the entrepreneur I was talking about, some heavy thinking on the topic, I've decided that come fall I'm gonna be um, modifying the podcast slightly and inviting um, faculty to join the party. My revised tagline, a place for college students and faculty to come together to talk mental health, goal achievement, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship, I think more adequately reflects the strengths-focused, label-free environment I want to encourage. So, in closing, two things I learned Share that might help us guide us in the future when helping college students with mental health issues and goal achievement. The first is that it's really hard to reach them. Um, it's extremely hard to build a following with this population, and more difficult still to get them to engage with the podcast the way I envisioned. First semester, I remember I had ran a contest to try and get um, more reviews for the show. Uh, I was intending to raffle off a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. Um, Out of all of the reviews I got, uh, it ended up being awarded to the one and only person (laughs) that thought enough to send me a review. So I paid $100 for a review. (laughs) Um, With so much competition for attention, it's even harder than I expected to attract it. And even harder still with people that have psychiatric disabilities and cognitive impairments that are frequently associated with them. the way to do it, though, is by building relationships one at a time. The student that wrote me a review for $100, I'm pretty sure I got her for life. <laughs> um, I had another student that I spoke with when I was in the Netherlands uh, who showed me her wellness suitcase, pictured picture here, uh, completely reaffirmed my decision to run a five-part series on RAP, or wellness and recovery action planning, to teach students to take advantage of the time when they're well to better plan for things in the future that might go awry. Um, Second, I've learned that it's going to take a village to support college students with mental health issues. Uh, That's why I believe bringing these students together with people like yourselves, invested stakeholders in post-secondary education, you guys are going to be the ones to influence career and life trajectories. You're going to do it in ways you never imagined. Um, So if you're unsure how to help, two things I'd recommend. First, be there to listen. Um, Wherever, whenever it happens, be ready when they're ready. Um, People, they will approach you if they feel you're a safe person to talk to. But you need to be ready when they're ready because it's really hard to get them when it's your idea. Um, Second, in the word, in the absence of the wisdom you might have when they do reach out to you, if you're unsure how to help, um, I urge you to think about the words of David Schwartz, action cures fear. If people take nothing away from me today, a head talk or my listeners on the podcast, I hope that they can take away this message that action towards your fear cures uh, the the fear you have, uh, whether it resulting in success or not. It cures the fear you have of potentially uh, not achieving. So, thank you all today.